What's up, everybody? You are watching NASA in Silicon Valley Live for November 15th, 2018. I am your host, Matt Buffington, and joining me as a co-host for the first time ever is NASA's very own <laughs> Tiffany Blake. Hi. It's a, t <laughs> Tiffany, for people who haven't seen your byline on NASA.gov, she's very famous. Uh, go ahead and tell everybody, just tell Gosh, everybody what, what, what do you do at NASA? Famous. Um, well, I work in the Office of Communications here. Um, at NASA Ames, and I cover all of our tech and engineering projects, um, as well as some of our mission activities. Um, and so really, I just help our people tell their story, pretty much. Awesome. Um, so yeah, that's exciting. You know? And you, speaking of cool people that you talk to. Yes, that I talk to. <laughs> we, have, we have here Robin Beck and Paul Rosinski here joining us today. Can you guys tell us about yourselves, what you do here at Ames? Um, well, my name is Robin Beck, and I'm a mechanical engineer from local schools. I grew up here, went to Santa Clara and to Stanford. So um, I work on heat shield materials. So anything to keep a spacecraft cool. Mm -hmm. How fortuitous since we're talking about heat shields. <laughs> what amazing coincidence. <laughs> Paul, tell us about yourself. Well, my name's Paul Wyszynski. I am uh, an engineer, currently a project manager out here at Ames, uh, working in a group that uh, designs heat shields, uh, does all kinds of design and technology development, and I'm looking forward to telling you a little bit about my latest project. See, Paul, if, if you didn't know, Paul is also super famous. We had like an old Facebook Live from about like a year or so ago that we, he talked a whole bunch about like, heat shields and gave us a tour of the ArcJet. And Robin, oh, you did a podcast right. episode a while I, back, too. I did. See, yeah. Paul did another podcast episode that's in the can <laughs> that'll be released sometime oh, soon. soon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's we'll get, we'll get to it. We'll we get will. to it later. We promise. We promise. We did not forget you, Paul. <laughs> but folks, if you didn't know, this is NASA in Silicon Valley Live. It is a conversational show um, out of NASA's Ames Research Center here in Silicon Valley, where we talk to the various researchers, scientists, engineers, and all-around cool people at NASA. And so, if you like that, we are gonna we are live on Twitch, on YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, everywhere that you can think of. Um, but if you want to participate in the chat, you want to send Robin and uh, and Paul some questions, then you need to go to twitch.tv slash NASA. If you're sitting on Facebook or YouTube, go back to twitch.tv slash NASA. Send us all of your questions in if you want to talk to us live. Um, if you can't catch us live, that is no big deal. We are also, um, we'll be up on Facebook, YouTube, after the fact and on demand. We'll also be on, for our audio listeners, we'll be on podcast services throughout the solar system and beyond. But yes. as promised, we're all about heat shields. So... Yes. I guess we'll just start from the basic thing for people who may be watching who have no idea what a heat shield is. Let's just kind of go generic. Like, what is a heat shield? Okay. Well, <laughs> if you have a spacecraft. Like a prop in front like of us. Here, <laughs> right? Look at that. And you're going to enter into a, a planet or back to Earth that has an atmosphere. It's going to be traveling really fast, and it's going to get really, really hot in the front. It's going to get pretty toasty on the back as well. So you want to protect the material, you want to protect the structure with heat shield materials. Shields from the heat. So what, what kind of materials would you use to, to you know, shield such heat and Well, it, it really depends on how fast you're going, how, how big you are, 
what the atmosphere is. So there are a lot of examples. I brought I brought props if you want to see some. Yeah, show us some of the cool stuff you we got. We got a lot of toys. Right, let me, uh, oh yeah. Put on my gloves because there's a lot of little particulates that I'd rather not have go um, get in my. Yeah, yeah. 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 so as we, as, as we were rehearsing, Sorry. we've gone through a whole bunch of the different like products. You got some really cool stuff that we're going to okay. check out. This is real science and engineering. This is a material that flew on Apollo. Okay. So, and it also flew on the first um, experimental flight for Orion, so our, our new vehicle. And so and we have a bunch of people. I'm sure you're going to tell us what it is. Yeah. People are going carbon fiber, carbon fiber. No, no, no. Rhino Ranger and Guts Berserker Amor <laughs> armor, we're saying that. So No, no, no. It's not, not carbon, fiber. carbon fiber. No. But if you look up close, it is a honeycomb-based material. So the honeycomb gets bonded onto the heat shield, and then the, the stuff gets put in each cell individually. Wow. So that's how this what this material is. And this can withstand heating easily up to... A thousand watts per square centimeter. Oh so wow! So this, you know, this flew and came back from the moon. So okay. we get some pretty high heating then, and um, so that's a that's one that is very um, capable. Okay. Okay. What you got next? And if we go back to lighter heating, come back mm -hmm. to Earth, we have shuttle tile material. So, and um, this is a coated shuttle tile, very very lightweight. It's almost like, oh. like they almost feel like a little bit like, like styrofoam. I know, or something. Yeah. Well, because it really is a foamed glass type material, so that's really what it looks like. It's very, very low density. The coating is so that you get um, you re-radiate the heat rather than have it all come into the surface. Because it turns out that when you um, have radiation, something that's white tends to absorb it. Something that's black tends Makes to emit sense. it. Right. So. This will help the heat go away from the surface, but it's very, very useful in low heating conditions in keeping your structure cool. Excellent. So we have a bunch of people. The chat's going nuts. Okay. Uh, a lot of that's so cool, interesting. That's from Hannibal Zero. Um, uh, my buddy over in the chat, nice guy Dewey, was asking, "What are major challenges faced in designing a reusable heat shield?" Because most of this stuff that you're looking at is like it's a one-time use, right? The shuttle material, the yeah. tile well, is not, right. Right. Yeah. but the other ones are, because they're ablatives, so folks, yeah, like, as we had talked about this, we kept talking about ablative. Like you can't talk about heat shields without saying ablative. So, right. so we're, we're going to just come out. Like, so let's talk about ablative. What does that mean? Okay, that, that most people don't, don't right. probably don't know what that is. Then, well, we can we can turn shuttle tile into an ablator, but what <laughs> it is is you have a a rigid or a flexible substrate that gets impregnated with the resin. And that okay. resin um, decomposes when it gets hot. And it, it uses a lot of the energy to decompose, which is great, because using that energy keeps the energy from conducting to the, to the structure. So it also interacts with the, the boundary layer, which is what's heating up the surface and uh, makes it a little thicker, which reduces mm -hmm. the heating. Um, the fact that it's creating gases blows through the char layer that's left there, and it self-cools. So it's a really efficient way of 
keeping your your spacecraft Space cool. Time. The problem is is that it is changing state, and other than making it super super thick and then shaving off the char layer and getting back okay. to virgin material each time, it's really not reusable. Um, there are there are some companies that are looking at reusing um, a pika like material, which mm -hmm. is what I'll show you next. Nice. Yeah, let's yes. jump into the Pika Pika. Yes, Pika Pika. Okay, so this material was invented here, as a matter of fact, ah. and it's based on a rigid carbon structure, so that's really okay. tough, right? And it gets impregnated with a resin. Okay. Okay, so Pika stands for phenolic impregnated carbon ablator. Carbon, the yellow is phenolic, turns it this kind of color. Okay. So this is great. I'm going to have to jump into phenolic. Okay. What does that mean? Phenolic is a resin. It's okay. a name it's of a resin. Of, it's a name of a resin. Right. Okay. Like silicone is a resin, which we also use. Yeah. But phenolic is a very, very good resin because it uses up a, a lot of energy to decompose. So this is great. This material in tile form flew on MSL, which delivered Curiosity. It also um, will fly on Mars 2020, mm -hmm. okay. which will deliver the next um, rover to Mars. It flew in single piece on Stardust, and it's flying right now on OSIRIS-REx in a single oh, wow. piece. So as we were practicing and rehearsing this, I right. kept saying that the chat was going to go nuts with oh, Pika Pika. So Anthony <laughs> is me. He's got a good Pikachu uh, uh -huh. emote Love going me. on. So you what guys aren't letting is. me down. But I was expecting more, to be honest. So all right, let's at least keep it's talking. yellow. Okay, so it is well, yellow. This is ish. So the good news is that it's a great ablator. The bad news is it's very very brittle. Mm. So it makes okay. it a little bit difficult to design with. So we. Sorry. <laughs> We've been working on um, an advanced version of that. So this is, this this is, is a new heat shield this material? This is a new heat shield material okay. that is based on carbon felt, which is flexible. Okay. See? So we take that. Now, once we impregnate it with the, about the same recipe, um, it becomes rigid. It, it's not going anywhere. But we can mold it. Before we impregnate, we take this felt, we mold it, okay. and then we impregnate. And so we get the best properties everywhere rather than just along certain um, lines of a tile. Um, so it be, it's near net shape. We can, you can see, we can machine it <laughs> and machine plugs out of it, all kinds of stuff. So um, then the even better news is that it's even more thermally efficient than Pika is. It weighs about the same, very lightweight, weighs about the same, but it's, it's even better than Pika. So a couple shout outs so from Prumpkin Pie. We're seeing you, dude. Uh, he was saying, this is epic. Um, Mr. Heat Shield Girl is oh. saying just a big old Pika. So a lot of shout outs for that stuff. Um, and then I was going to say, just I saw one that came in from X, uh, Z-Tron was just saying, it's like, is it structurally bonded, not chemically? Does that yeah. sound right? Yeah. Yes, it is. It is bonded with an adhesive to a structure. And so, so this, it makes it more efficient. Uh, which for <laughs> the, the the last one you just showed us the right. Pika, it's, more it's more efficient only because it, it's more billion. efficient because of it. Well, we can make bigger tiles, right? Mm -hmm. And we also can bond directly to an aeroshell, where in some cases, yeah. um, Pika might need strain isolation pad, which is what they put under shuttle tiles. They put a, a strain isolation pad behind the the thermal protection material. And um, it's, it is more compliant 
So yeah. that that's one of the benefits of the conformal. We call it mm -hmm. conformal pika because it is more um, compliant. And this is one of the crazy things as we've, as we've been talking about this of, you know, ablation and then these heat shields because it's like you're building these out of material, but it's also like you pick the properties that you expect them to not really burn up, but it's like they get kind a char. Shit, shit They're going to get a little bit of cooked. And they, they actually do yeah. burn up. I mean, they they go away. They get thinner. So that and char. And it's by design. Absolutely. By design, yeah. Absolutely. And what you do is you protect the structure. So you design it so that, you know, the temperature at the bond line doesn't get too hot, right? You don't overheat your structure. So we understand we can model these kinds of materials mm -hmm. and we understand um, how they behave. And so that's that's how we use them. That's amazing. It's pretty like, cool stuff. Right. <laughs> so you, okay. So what we else do you have for us? Um, our latest. Yes. Is that what we're doing? Yes. yes. Our latest material. Go for it. Right. Okay. Our latest material ah. is called. It's he with many e's. Three that's e's. Three e's. Three e's. You can see there. <laughs> and this material is a. I'm going to set it down. A 3D woven material. So you imagine a large loom. Like you're, you know, making cloth, mm -hmm. but this is making cloth in three dimensions. And we can take advantage of having a high, higher conductivity, higher density, higher capability, ablative mm -hmm. layer, rece rece receding layer, sorry, okay. over a an insulating layer. And it's all integral. We don't have to worry about how do we hold the those two layers together. You know, they're we looked woven. at putting, but they're woven together, together layer by ones. layer, so we don't we don't get any interlaminar uh, separation where we you would in a tape wrap type carbon phenolic heat shield. So and it's it's tailorable for how thick you make the insulation, how thick you make the recession layer, and what the densities are. So it's a very very cool material. But this is for very high intensity environments not you wouldn't use this going to mars you don't need yeah. it but right. you do need it going to places like venus if you're doing a very sharp direct entry so we got a couple of questions of like the like i got here what's up with the gloves that's a hit cell <laughs> well, i got several comments on the gloves and the gloves and so like sorry. maybe <laughs> just clarify i know you well, said it initially but talk about why you're wearing the gloves well like pika is has a lot of I'm, watch, you'll see. I'll get yellow oh. on myself and on the table. Um, the phenolic comes out. And okay, it, okay. It just gets sloppy. There's carbon fibers in the felt, and there's carbon fibers in that the rigid substrate. So I kind of don't want to stick it in my fingers, or I don't want to touch my face after, after yeah. I've <laughs> had my sense. hands on these. So Safety it's just first. to kind of protect. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so, so, like, something else I wanted to yeah, just yeah. point out is, you know, with all these materials, I mean, the temperature gradient that it sees across the thickness. Oh. I mean, so on the hot side, that surface can be seeing like several thousand yeah. degrees, but just a half an inch or an inch away, it's at just a few hundred degrees. Exactly. I mean, wow. and that's that's wow. what's really amazing about all these materials. Is right. It's a very, very the, steep gradient. Right. They're insulating materials, a very steep gradient through them, thermal gradient through them. You know, we have to protect that structure, and that structure could be something like aluminum. It can't yeah. take a lot of temperature. Yeah. It can also be a composite. I mean, there's a lot of limitations to how hot this back wall is. And what happens with this material is it's very similar to Pika in that, or into similar to the conformal Pika in that we take the woven structure and we mold it. So this was flat when it was woven. 
and we put it over a mold because it is uh, it's thick, yeah. but it's stiff, and but it is cloth, and then we impregnate it so it's a near net shape. Now this has been machined, okay. but this is a near net shape. And we, were, and we were talking about it, like these are woven materials, and I was kind of like, "What is this? Like a, a big mechanical loom?" And you're like, "Absolutely, that's yeah. exactly that's what it is. Exactly what it is. Yeah." Is it like sitting somewhere in a warehouse? You have this big. Oh loom no no, we like, don't do this. We're not doing that. Right. No no no. There's a, a company in Pennsylvania yeah. that is weaving for us, and um, they have they've been they started out weaving ribbons. Okay. Ribbons for hats, and they now, now are weaving. Heat yeah. Yep. They're weaving heat shields. They weave protective materials and other stuff too, but. Yep, they're weaving stuff that's going to space. Wow, wow. So I have a question. Sure. Basically, we need different heat shields for different missions, Correct. right? So say I was going to Mars or I was going to Earth. Like, what kinds of different heat shields would I use, for, you know, to re-enter Earth or to land on Mars? Right. Well, the, the Apollo-type material, the Avcoat that I showed, would be easily coming back from the moon going into the Earth's atmosphere. You don't need it mm -hmm. to go to uh, Mars. Pika is perfect. It's even a little better than it needs to be, you know, to go to Mars. Because the heating there, our peak heating there on our heat shields is about 200 watts per square, per square centimeter. Coming back from the moon, we're over six, 600 to 1,000 um, watts per square centimeter. Going to Venus, we can be as high as five thousand watts per square centimeter maybe even higher than that we need things like heat so it really depends on what your atmosphere is and and the whole reason of all that is you don't want to carry every ounce every kilogram is Matters. precious right. so right, right, right. you don't want your heat shield to weigh any more than it has, has to, to because that's taking away mass that you can be doing science or something else with. right your right. payload it gets reduced so, and going, going on, on along that line of like venus and especially mm -hmm. for mars we have two questions one came from a man called steve for how more advanced is the heat shield for new rover for mars 2020 and similarly um mr heat shield girl said um, uh, mars 2020 heat shield is the same as curiosity heat shield i think yeah, so yeah. talk a little bit about that. Um, it is exactly the same. And so we've just been making Pika. We've started there machining the tiles. We are, to save money, didn't want to redesign, right? So you wanted to use as much of the design from, from MSL, which delivered um, Curiosity. You wanted to use the same design as much as you could possible. So there are 27 different tile designs on that heat shield. So you didn't want to have to start over and redesign. Mm -hmm. There are 113 tiles on the wow. heat shield. So if you had to figure out a new tile layout and and change the thickness, for example, which we definitely could, it's very heavily over-designed, but it didn't make sense cost-wise to spend that money to do that again. And so I, I want to come on over to one of the questions from Rye Oranger is asking, and this is a pivot to, we can't talk about heat shields without talking about the arc jet. Because right. their question goes into, how are heat shields materials tested, and can you replicate temps in a lab that are seen in production? Oh, yeah. Paul, I know, you gave yeah. me the tour of the arc jet at one point. Yeah. So. Well, the arc jet is, uh, is an incredible facility, and the, sort of the easiest way to explain it is, think of a wind tunnel mm -hmm. that uh, has as its reservoir uh, a tank that gets filled with high pressure, high temperature gas, 
they blast a, literally uh, a lightning bolt through it to energize it and give it that much more energy. Make it that much hotter. Mm -hmm. And then they just open up uh, a nozzle at one end, and this high temperature, high pressure gas just goes blasting out. Uh, Mach 5, Mach 7, it flows over wow. your test article, and they take all this energy, all this electricity that can literally power a small town, and all that energy gets concentrated into a small test. I mean, it gives you uh, an idea of just what type of environments uh, these materials have to be designed for. Basically, yeah, so it, it simulates. Yeah. It I simulates the simulates the environment. Entry into a, yeah. we tend to or test entry into an atmosphere. Right, we tend to test in air. However, we can get the right heating rates, um, and we can get the right pressures um, if we need to. We can get the right shear. Oh, shear like what is? Shear is the friction, the flow over. Okay. So I have a, an, I have an arcjet specimen. Let's go for it. <laughs> I think I think we actually, Bill. I think we have a clip of this we too do. as well. Yeah, we have some fancy footage. Okay, that's footage. right. You can watch. Yeah. Oh, that's an arc that's an specimen going into the facility. Yeah, tell us what there we're looking go. at. So this is a, a sphere cone. Um, this is the heating at the nose on this test article is 700 watts per square centimeter. So the flow is coming from the top, it's coming, coming from the top down, down, flowing over it. Right, and yeah. on the flank, on the conical part of it, the heating is is 400 watts per square centimeter. And then the shear around near the shoulder, near the back side, the back end of this, is 400 um, pascals, which is a lot. It's similar to what we would see on Mars 2020 and MSL. So we were looking for a test article design that could do that. Now, yeah, and I was going to say that footage that we saw is this test article. That is the correct. exact same thing. Wow. And this test article actually was testing. We have Pika on here. And we have the conformal pica with seams and gaps. So we were looking at, you know, could we put the material right up next to it without needing to design for gaps? And it turns out, yes, we could. And um, we also were comparing the recession, so how much thickness we lost. We were comparing the recession to that of pica, and it's very, very comparable. It's about the same density and um, very comparable recession. The best news was that the temperature rise at the bond line was half of what the temperature rise at the bond line behind the regular, the standard pica. So behind the conformal pica, it, it's much more thermally efficient because the conductivity is so much lower. So, hmm. and I think Paul, you told told us yesterday that that's what you guys want to see after you have a test. Oh right. yeah, right. you want to yeah. see it all burned right. up and <laughs> right. Well, it, you do have pictures of yes, a before we do. and an after we do. of that test article, and so if there's there it was. Yellow. The original. Yeah, that's the original. And, and what you're looking at is the conformal. The nose is actually pica, and then one quadrant, which you're not seeing here. But then after, it looks like black. And that's what that's the same test article. So, wow. Um, right. So it, it changed <laughs> shape slightly. You can tell the nose blunted up because some of the material went yeah. away. But um, it charred and yeah. turned to carbon. And there's and there's not a whole lot of in between in these tests. They either work right or they just <laughs> fail completely. I mean, because tell as soon me as how spectacularly they fail. Oh, I, well, I mean, literally within fraction of a second, second the it, whole it, thing will start falling apart, and oh, they, no. they, they oh, stop wow. the test pull, right yeah. away. I mean, um, yeah, we had some, we had some surprise tests, not yeah. on this material, but we had some surprise tests on some materials in in areas, in heating rates that we didn't expect to see problems. And yeah. we had material absolutely disappear in four seconds oh. where it shouldn't have, so. Well, and also just to give yeah. people some perspective, I mean, if that same 
test article was just a, a the same piece of aluminum, oh, and you put it in there. Oh, it'd be it gone. would last in a fraction of a second, and right. it, the whole thing would be gone. I mean, that right. just gives you an idea of just the the energy and the temperatures that it sees. So right, it, the surface temperatures here were um, between three and four thousand Fahrenheit. So at the nose, well, it was about over 4,000 Fahrenheit, and on the flank, it was at 3,000 Fahrenheit. Okay. So you might well, as well be walking on the sun? <laughs> no, <laughs> not quite. <laughs> the sun is about 10,000 Fahrenheit, yeah. but it's pretty darn hot. Yeah. And how, anyway. how long are you guys testing? Um, that one was in for 30 seconds. Ah, okay. And a lot of that and just depends on, on, on the trajectory, how it's going to fly at, at its destination planet. Um, right. We were trying to match the heat load, which mm -hmm. is heating rate times the time, so... Um, as we went to lower heating rates, we went to longer, longer times. Oh, I see. I see. So the chat is going completely oh. <laughs> nuts. We got uh -oh. a shout out to the ArcJet team. This is from GR underscore AB. I got a couple questions. Um, one that I just saw through go live. Uh, this is fourth and inches one. It said something similar to um, the same thing that uh, another person asked about the heat panels on Parker Solar Probe. Is that is that that is that uh, how that works? Or? The same thing. I mean, okay. they're protecting their. It's a carbon carbon material. It's all yeah. carbon, and it's um, so it can take very very high energy and has insulation on the backside so that what's behind it doesn't get too yeah. hot. And that's a pure radiative heating because that's pure from radiative the sun. Pure heating, right? Yeah. Right. And so also another person who jumped in the chat is uh, Scott Manley, one of our co-hosts. Last time we, we did one of the shows a couple episodes back, he was asking, uh, and welcome back, Scott. Nice to see you. <laughs> um, can you tell us about the most extreme heat shield NASA ever made, uh, like the Jupiter Atmosphere Probe? Oh, yeah. yeah. Galileo. Yeah. Yeah. Galileo, yeah. yeah. So talk yeah. about that. Oh. Paul, what do you well, think? that... That was uh, a mission that flew into Jupiter, and Jupiter is uh, a hydrogen-helium atmosphere. So back in the day, they literally had an arc jet that used hydrogen-helium. Helium, right. Um, and uh, they had to blast so much energy that uh, they were able to not only get the convective heating, but the radiative heating uh, mm -hmm. that you would see at the high speed. So uh, entry into Jupiter is uh, is this outlier that's oh, really? uh, far away well, from all the other yeah. entries. Beyond so, 10,000 watts per yeah. square centimeter. It, it's, but it's got to be fun. It's really, really high. <laughs> so they, they <laughs> did those on. tests. Uh, that facility was up and running, I think, in the 70s and in the 80s. Mm -hmm. uh, they did the final designs on the heat shield. But... Uh, that was a probe where half of the entry mass, half of the probe mass going into Jupiter, mm -hmm. was all heat shield. Right. And um, they well, actually, because um, well. they, they did some measurements, <laughs> but they came pretty darn close to losing it uh, <laughs> um, with some of the measurements, because they were able to tell uh, in certain places on it how far it recessed. And there were a couple mm. places where they realized there wasn't a whole lot left after it finished uh, the heating pulse. Right, wow. and it was the opposite of what they expected. The yeah. nose uh -huh. receded less than they expected, which is the highest heating, and the flank receded almost all the way through. Wow. I'm going to jump in because okay. somebody, the president of Mars, oh. and if the president of Mars <laughs> is, oh, is better, typing yeah, in, we, we have to respond. Listen. It's uh, what kind of fibers are used, what kind of properties do the resins have, and how are they manufactured handled? That's a lot to unpack. Wow. <laughs> Um, most of the fibers, well, the peak of fibers, that's carbon, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. That's a, those are carbon fibers, rayon-based carbon fibers. And the phenolic, that is a phenolic resin, which you, they use, I think, actually in brake pads, too. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's a common resin. It's, mm -hmm. it's so, but, and how are they manufactured? That, that's a secret. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'm sure it always depends. Yeah. We, we, well, we, we, it does. It really does depend on on 
what kind of density you want and and what kind of properties you want. I'd say re-entry into Earth is different from entry, entry into Mars, Mars or yeah. into Venus. It's like right. different test conditions. Right. We were talking. It depends. <laughs> it depends. I'm just saying ongoing that's joke for right. everything is right. that it depends. It, does. it depends. <laughs> so, oh man, like th- this chat is is insane. There's so much stuff going on. So, um, let me jump to, let's say, okay, hi NASA. Does the shape or angle of the heat shield affect how thick it has to be? That's yes. from Brad McGashet. <laughs> oh, uh, yes, oh. it does. It affects the heat heating profile, and so. Um, We've typically flown uh, to Mars with that a 70 degree sphere cone, which is what MSL and Viking, I mean, everything that's flown to Mars, I think, has been a 70 degree sphere cone, a blunt body. Um, the Venus, we flew with 45 degree sphere cones, and um, it, it, it definitely affects what the heating on the material is, and the thickness is dependent on what the heating on the material is. It's funny because I feel like, like we could sit here and talk oh, this forever. all day. Right. 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 And clearly, like the chat can talk <laughs> all day about this sure. as well. Absolutely. There was a question that came in from Raj 2017. What about inflatable heat shields? And I thought that might be a good transition to some of the other stuff. And I'm also oh. looking at Tiffany, who yeah, makes for sure that I'm on track yeah. Yeah. on the things that we need uh, to talk about. Are yes. we going to pivot over? Yeah, no, I think we could take an. Or we can. Sure. Yeah, we yeah. can. Okay. You tell me. Well, I mean, we've been talking about a lot about Mars, too. And so I know the agency, we're all excited about Insight landing Insight's in a couple coming. of weeks. Weeks, yeah. uh, scheduled for uh, Monday, November 26th. Which happens to be Cyber Monday yes. after everybody's in their turkey yes. coma. But <laughs> it is landing at basically lunchtime. It's 11.47 a.m. PT. Yeah, so, Pacific you know, time. Pacific time, you guys right. Get, you know, grab your lunch and then watch, you know, <laughs> the NASA TV. Um, but, you know, wanted to ask you guys, can you talk a little bit about Insight? And sure. It's, what it's we a can lander. look forward to in a couple weeks. The TPS, the thermal protection material. So this is, is actually this on is, This is what's on the That's heat actually shield. What's on it. This material is on the heat shield. Um, the heat shield is thicker than this. This material is also the back shell for MSL and Mars 2020 at about that thickness. Makes actually. sense. You have to heat the front and the back because the, the you back do, is going to You do, absolutely. You heat both. So, so inside is like half the size. It's, it's, it's smaller. It's about half the size. It's not going in as hot and, mm-hmm. or as fast. Um, it's lighter weight. And so this material is perfectly designed. It's what's always flown to Mars on our U.S. spacecraft, except Mm -hmm. for MSL. So the MSL was so large we couldn't. MSL, we love acronyms here. MSL is Mars (laughs) Science Laboratory, and that that delivered Curiosity. So Mars Ah. 2020 is coming. It will also have this material on the back shell and Pika on the heat shield because of the environment. So and so, what's Insight's mission? What will the lander be doing on Mars? The lander will be measuring um, the temperature through the thickness of the shell of the, <laughs> of the planet. <laughs> the planet. Yeah. Um, and it will also be measuring um, seismic activity. So there's a thermal probe that'll go down about um, five, six meters, so 16, 17 feet or so. And uh, there's um, a seismometer that'll sit on the surface and will measure Mars quakes. Mars quakes. And I think we have a clip here. Right, of the entry. Us, right. Yeah. Yeah, let's like we talk do. our way through this. There we go. So that, it's right now it's got the cruise stage. So that's been let go. And now that you have the entry vehicle, kind of looks like our little model there. Now it's getting very hot on the front. But also that wake is radiating to the back shell. And so we have to protect it as well. And then... 
eventually we slow down enough that we will pop a shoot to slow it down the rest of the way, or nearly the rest of the way. Which is interesting, because Mars doesn't that, have as much atmosphere. No, it yeah. doesn't. It's very yeah. difficult to slow down. So as soon as we pop the chute, soon after that heat shield gets dropped, because we really want to deploy this lander. So the feet come out, then it'll drop out of the back shell, and that will kind of fly away. And the, the lander itself will propel itself downward, or Keep, use propulsion in the opposite direction to slow itself down. A controlled descent. Yeah, it's controlled descent. And in, in the chat, right. Tom it was asked, Insight doesn't move, correct? Because you said lander, it's not a, a lander. Rover. Exactly. exactly. Look, there's no wheels. <laughs> so that that this is because it lands near the poles and it doesn't have to move, um, it is um, powered by solar power. It's not nuclear powered like Curiosity is. And so um, it it will sit there and it has a two year mission. So, and gathering data, they do expect, they, they know that Mars gets hit a lot with asteroids and, mm -hmm. and foreign bodies. And so those, the seismic uh, equipment Research. should be able to measure the mm -hmm. impacts as wow. well. So sadly to Pogu underscore, that was not live footage. No. <laughs> but I do we no, do no. have not live footage. No. We have some footage we of some of this fun stuff that Paul's been working right. on. Yes. Am I am I spoiling yes. it? Am I jumping too early? Yes, a little bit. All right, you right, know, we on. do want to tell the folks, you know, for more information about insight, you can go to Mars.nasa.gov slash insight and make sure you tune in on the twenty-sixth. Uh, to see that exciting land. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and then I'd also throw out a reminder for folks for folks who are watching. If you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, we, we are we are live right now. But if you want to participate live on the chat, you need to go to twitch.tv slash NASA. We have a ton of questions coming in. And you're in luck because about the last 10 minutes, we're going to spend doing uh, rapid, rapid fire, fire questions. We're not yes. there yet. And we're going to try to hit <laughs> as many of these as humanly possible because there's so much going on in there. But <laughs> go for it. So um, we know that heat shield development continues to evolve, right? And so I know, Paul, you have, you're working on a project that really dives into next generation heat shields and game-changing technology. So tell right. us a little bit about ADEPT. What's well, ADEPT? Well, ADEPT is another one of these great acronyms. 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 Adaptable, deployable, entry and placement mm -hmm. technology. So that's a mouthful. <laughs> um, and the way we try to describe it is up to now, what we've been talking about are heat shields that we call rigid heat shields. So it's a solid structure, able to take high temperatures, um, but it's rigid. So it, what you launch is what enters the planet. And uh, what we have seen is there's a lot of missions out there that um, could do more if they could be launched with a heat shield that um, opened up to even bigger sizes. And uh, right now, what's limiting the size of our heat shields is the rocket that carries them. So if there was a way to make a heat shield that could fold up or stow and then open up uh, once it's free and clear of the rocket, we could do more things, go to uh, do more science. So that's, uh, that's what ADEPT that's is. What ADEPT is. <laughs> Think of a heat shield that works like an umbrella. Ah, so I got okay. something I can show you, too. Yes, show us, so. please. Clear the decks here. Yeah, 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 I'll move this out of your way. <laughs> and folks might have recognized what Paul's going to show out if you watched oh, our uh, uh, Halloween yeah. episode. Yes. That Mary Techno Poppins had a version of this. Yeah. And Paul there was out is. here. Paul's super famous. Yeah. As I mentioned before. Yeah. 
<laughs> we all have to do things like that. <laughs> this, is exactly, this is exactly what it looks like. Yeah, so this is uh, an umbrella. Uh, it literally can, has, um, you can see underneath it. Whoop, there we go. Um, it's got ribs and struts underneath it. Uh, this is a flexible carbon fabric. Uh, this is sort of related to the uh, woven material Robin was showing, but this is not impregnated. It is just uh, four to eight layers of uh, carbon fabric woven three-dimensionally. So when this does get glowing hot, and I think we're going to show uh, some video of this maybe. Uh, yeah, we're going to show uh, that. When we test this in the heat shield or in the arc jets, glows red hot, survives for one to two minutes. Mm. Now what we're seeing here is uh, the same size, this is just under a meter diameter. Uh -huh. This is a heat shield that uh, we flew on a sounding rocket uh, yes. a few months back. A few months ago, I was there. You were there. So also Super in the chat, uh, our, a good friend, Das Valdez, is sitting in the chat. So hi, Das, how's it going? <laughs> and he mentioned there's a, there's a video game I told you guys about called Kerbal Space Program. <laughs> but he was saying that like in, in Kerbal, you can actually do, you, that there's an adept in there. There's like deployable like heat shield. Oh, so. Awesome. so the next time we do a gaming oh, episode, yeah, we'll, we'll need to bring out. you on over. And, and Das, you should come on out. <laughs> <laughs> we can we can totally hit up, start putting a depth like on some rockets. That. Wow. That's so cool. Right, so when this is launched, it's all closed up, so the, yes. the sides Stole, are right? straight down, right? And we could even you can, try. You can push a little bit. Yeah, there. Let's see. If Pretty hard spring. I got to find a rib here. <laughs> He's got to work his arms out as he go pushes it down. down. Yes, there we go. So it starts that way, and then it is uh, deployed this in is just space. A demo model right. Here, so. this is a demo, right. It's deployed in space, so it doesn't have to do anything really fast, right? It can deploy slowly yep. in the exo-atmosphere, so. Awesome. It's an awesome idea. Now, we, we did have a question, someone about inflatables, and there yeah. is, we mm. do have a very similar approach for um, an inflatable, so it's heat another shield. deployable heat shield, another way but of it's, doing it's, it, yeah. it's inflated, and so there are large toroids that um, are being built in Southern California that get stacked up with thermal protection materials on the outside. Mm. And uh, like the they get squished way even smaller and then have all kinds of um, devices and, and gas generators to deploy them. Wow. Are we gonna jump so, into the footage? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we oh, were in New Mexico a couple of months ago, right, Paul? That's right. This is your first test flight for Adept. Right. It was just about the same size. Uh, this is, like I said, uh, just under a meter in diameter. So here's the it rocket. It folds up into a rocket with a 10-inch diameter tube. And get ready for some cool GoPro go. footage. Oh yeah. man! So that was. So there's a launch, and it's uh, within 10 seconds. It's already leaving the atmosphere, and. Uh, uh, within a minute, it's up uh, at about 100 kilometers up. And then, whoosh, and there, boom, there it goes. We're just reaching our maximum altitude around 120 kilometers. We've opened up, and now with a GoPro camera on board. Notice that curvature. We <laughs> are confirming that we it's opened up. That was one of our major objectives of the test was to show that we can deploy. And now, uh, as we're descending into the atmosphere, we got all these instruments recording uh, how it's... Uh, the, uh, the aerodynamic stability, its uh, flight attitude, uh, rates, all mm. this good information that we're now still pouring over and, uh, and deciphering. And it was supposed to be spinning, right? I mean, it was spun yes. up out of the rocket. Oh, yes. So that it was, was supposed to be spinning. What, what that, for that was on purpose. Yeah, that yep. was on purpose. <laughs> yeah. So, how long does it take to you know, get from the start to your first flight test? 
Oh, well, we've been working, uh, the ADEPT project has been active now for oh, at least six or seven years. Mm -hmm. um, the last two years, I'd say we were uh, hard at work on the sounding rocket flight test. Up to then, we had been doing a bunch of ground tests. We've gone in uh, uh, wind tunnels, we've gone in the art jets, uh, we've done all different kinds of tests uh, to try to understand and, and make sure we're confident in uh, how this uh, new heat shield can perform. But then ultimately, like with a lot of things uh, that go into space, uh, people will only believe it when it flies in space. Ah, and so that's, no. uh, that was part of our purpose of this flight test. And it, and it did uh, what we wanted to do. Mm -hmm. um, and then we're hoping down the road to even do some uh, more adventurous flight tests uh, coming in from orbit to where we'll actually see heating, heating right. uh, that you'll see in an actual mission. And that's how we really get uh, higher confidence in this. So those are like your, the next steps for ADEPT. Yeah, we hope so. Too. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. I know when I was there with you guys, uh, just seeing the team together, start, you know, prepping, <laughs> getting, you know, ADEPT into, like, stowed into the rocket and things like that. And you can't believe it's, like, really in the rocket. But when you see it, like, it's... It's your super in there. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah, <laughs> so you get to see the team and he has a really great team and just like their interactions and just how they finally got to like their first flight test. It's really, really cool. Yeah. And Paul and running out with his Also, <laughs> I remember uh when you guys were retrieving Adept after uh, the test, they just like everybody jumped into an SUV and like drove off. There were almost skid marks in the, <laughs> in the desert. They're like, sand. go, go, go. They're well, like, they, go, go, go. Well, we were at a this is at uh, White Sands Missile Range. It's an army base. <laughs> and um, they had all kinds of other activities going on that same day. And so the recovery crew was in the helicopter was, you know, coming and going all over. They couldn't tell us exactly when they were going to come to do our part of the mission. And so uh, they said, just be ready at any time. And so sure enough, uh, four hours later, <laughs> get a knock on the door. You guys got three minutes. Get out to the helicopter. And we're yeah. like, okay. And so we were we were scrambling. Yeah, we're literally and looking yeah. out the window Skid like, oh, my gosh, they're <laughs> gone. Are we going to show the footage we, of them? Yes, we have yeah. some really cool footage of Paul um, getting out of the helicopter. So this is after we recovered out in the desert. <laughs> and so the test is how about how long? Well, it takes only about 15 minutes from launch to uh, coming back down on the ground. Oh, there he um, is. Yeah, um, so uh, <laughs> very relieved, very happy. Uh there, uh, the Adept uh, took a hard landing. We were expecting that, and so that was the container we put it in. And uh, the team is still working on, um, uh, we've recovered all the data from it. It stored all the data on board on these little memory boards. Um, and uh, we've probably got a few more months worth of uh, deciphering really? and analysis to go. One question that came in, this is from Selenu here. This is seriously, seriously though, can you buy this carbon fabric somewhere? It's funny because it feels almost like, like a backpack a little bit. But it's really thick. A really thick backpack. And it's probably an expensive backpack. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, uh, you'd have to probably talk to the manufacturer about Bally Ribbon Mills and see what they want to charge you. Um, no, I mean, it's uh, it's very specialized. I mean, it's, it's for high temperature use, um, but it's very durable, very rugged, and that's what makes it exciting as a heat shield material because it can take a lot. So, okay, um, let me jump on to some of these chat questions. We are going to do a rapid fire towards the end, but let's go into, all right, what sort of properties would the rocket need to support that kind of dynamic heat shield as opposed to a rigid one? Oh, um, it, no difference. Not I mean, right? uh, you're, you're no, just, I think it's the, just lighter. Like, well, the, for us? the, 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 
the nice thing about it is, is that you can take the same payload in a much smaller rocket because now mm -hmm. you're not dominated by this huge heat shield, a rigid heat shield. Now it can all fold up around your payload. So, and also shout out that was Harold with an H. I forgot to give him the shout out. Okay. Well, the one thing too though is it, it as it gets bigger, it's not necessarily going to be any lighter, right? Than than the current heat shield. Um, the with all the structure and and the cloth, the cloth is not you know, no, really lightweight either. So, I mean, it's not so much weight, it's volume. And you can, you know, you can put much more volume in and have it open into something so much larger than what we're using for um, Mars 2020. And we're really getting to the limits there with a four and a half meter heat shield on what can fit in our fairings. So and so, what you can land. What you can land. So right. we, are, we are getting shout outs for uh, anyone else think that Paul should that there should be a Paul action figure. Oh I know. <laughs> and then <laughs> Rhino Ranger said as long as the figurine comes with a heat shield. There you oh, go. Very cool. So you should talk and, to Lego. We need a Lego Paul. I think that ah. the headphones from the you know Hey, the, I did build one of these out of Legos, by the oh, way. Oh really? Yeah, uh, so. And you should have brought that. That would have been a better product. I'd have to put it back together again. But yeah, no, that was something we built about a year ago. It was pretty fun. Awesome. It, I don't know. That was just, that was so cool. I think that really was like the highlight of my career so, so far. But here's a question yeah. for, okay, Bloodthirsty Cheeseburger. Uh -oh. How many people does it take to design, develop, and install this unit, ADAPT? Mm. Oh, well, you know, it takes it's, a village. It, well, it does. You know, we had a <laughs> fairly a small, small team, team uh, that, that was working on uh, SR1, um, but it, we had probably on total, say, roughly a dozen uh, people, more or less, full time working it over, uh, over a year or two. Okay. Just for the for this test, Just for right? The, test. the design, the preliminary designs over the last few years is oh, I've yeah. been, you know, yeah, a, a lot of people working and designers and and analysts and and you know, people for doing all the instrumentation. Mm -hmm. so. I think Paul, you mentioned to me that it took a long time just to get the fabric right, to find yeah. the material that you the, needed. The first couple of years, all we were worrying about was how to weave the fabric and how the layers would get set up. Um, we weren't even sure that was going to work. And, mm -hmm. um, and so we had to prove to ourselves that fabric could take the loads because it's uh, that's that's what's a little different of this than even a rigid is now you have this fabric that's being pulled while it's glowing at 3,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, it's got its work cut out for it. So <laughs> a quick reminder to the folks: um, we're going to do rapid fire in the next little bit, but we're at Twitch.tv/nasa. If you have any questions, jump into the chat now to add those. Like our friend uh, Jennifer, who's put in a couple questions over and over, and she was the latest one was: uh, Are these heat shields tested in vacuums? And evidently, I think Jenna is. A friend of yours, Robin. Oh, she was yeah. like, I know she Jenna. Was like, oh, you can tell Robin, Jenna says hi. She's hi, a good family Jenna. friend. She's a student <laughs> down at um, Sandy at University of San Diego, oh, oh, University of California, San Diego. So, so I mean, I guess you can control what kind of environments you want to test the, these in. The ArcJet typically is tested. Uh, usually, we test in very low pressure. Um, in vacuum, we don't get heat. We get radiant heating. Oh, but yeah. it's not very high. We get solar, right, yeah. as we're going through space. So we do have to design our spacecraft for the this heating from the sun as it's traveling. I to guess if the you're going mission. through an atmosphere, it's no longer a vacuum. Exactly. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. exactly. But you know, it is low pressure. Okay. So we do test at. Um, we do pull put it into a vacuum chamber and then flow um, flow the gases over it, and that helps the gas to expand and to get to the right pressure, right through the nozzle. It goes through the nozzle and expands and goes over our um, our test article. 
So I know when we I went to TwitchCon those last couple of weekends ago, and I know that several people will be interested. And in, you know, if you've seen the YouTube show where they do the hydraulic press where they crush things, imagine a show where we just put things in the arc jet. Oh, <laughs> wow. We I'm going to guess probably not. Yeah. <laughs> when we were working MSL, one of our guys wanted to make a meat shield. Yeah. <laughs> a meat shield? Barbecue. And just, yeah, different, like right? That. Right? Mm -hmm. And different, different meats and see how that. they mm -hmm. would cook. You know, and you could only do them really short time. But like, <laughs> you know, was Kobe beef different from Bacon. American beef and, well, yeah, and pork and stuff? So we, <laughs> we did have one person who wanted to test a meat shield. <laughs> wow. A shout out to Space Master. He asked before, like, how do I watch this show live? You are watching this show live <laughs> this right at this moment. <laughs> right and he also now. gave a shout out to Gary Jordan, who's over at Johnson, because he says that he's friends with Gary. I do know Gary. He's a cool guy over at Johnson. <laughs> but we're going to keep going to a couple more questions. And I'm going to look at, can such, a heat can such a shield cover objects with irregular shapes like a decommissioned satellite? That's from Baba Keys. I don't know. Well, you Irregular know, regular shapes. What kind of crazy shapes you're looking for? Heat shields, or for the most part. Well, that's one of the things you're talking about with mm. Adept is as recovering satellites, small sats, mm. right? Instead of just having them burn up in the, as they come into the atmosphere, actually recovering. So, or from shuttle sending, right. uh, not shuttles from space station, um, doing down mass, right? Sending experiments down. And so they're looking at things that, that start small and can deploy mm -hmm. outside of the space station so they don't take up as much space. But they could they send down experiments, right, and, and be able to recover them fast enough to look at the, the data. So, um, and, and they are, you know, we, we look at these as um, for small sats as well, for small satellites to um, enter atmospheres and then to go into... Um, orbit around them. And so when, one question for Paul that came in from Cats Love Mars. <laughs> but this also, I mean, we, we just kind of brushed over it. We showed the sounding rocket. And so Cats Love Mars was asking, what is a sounding rocket? So oh. how is that different from a normal rocket? Well, I think generally a sounding rocket is um, uh, where it just goes literally up and then it comes back down. So uh, it uh, doesn't have uh, the oomph that uh, bigger rockets have that would put uh, a payload into orbit. And so uh, sounding rocket, I think, goes back to the days when they were just trying to study the atmosphere. So they would just send instruments sort of straight up, and they would uh, measure some at some altitude, take some measurements, but then come back down. Awesome. Tiffany, is there anything you want to hit before we go no, to rapid fire? No, I think fire? we should speed it up and go into rapid fire. Right, but I'm going to have Eric open up the audio for Bill and Dave over in our control room. Guys, are you guys ready to rock and roll mm -hmm. for some rapid fire? I'm in the mood for some rapid fire. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead and roll the thing. Step by four. Oh, we have, oh, we have a... Oh. Uh, uh, and a heat shield. There you go. <laughs> See, we were not going to waste that animation. Not right? at all. As we learned when we were practicing that. rapid fire, sometimes rapid fire isn't so rapid. <laughs> yes. But we're gonna try it and I'm gonna Quick grab answers. some of the later the latest ones and kind of move our way up. Okay, what part of the heat shield gets hottest? That's from Tom Bitt. Oh, usually it's this part right up here. The nose. <laughs> right. Stagnation. We call that the stagnation point. Mm. All right. Is there an estimation of how much money is worth investigating in more research and material cost to lose one kilogram of weight? That's from Ozapfitz. One kilogram, not so much, but um, you know, half the TPS weight, definitely. And again, it it, it depends on where you're As going, always. on what kind of heat shield you need, 
and on how how heavy it will actually be. Okay, so um, what material is the disc on top for Adept? This oh. is Invincible Moon. <laughs> mm. Oh, well, uh, well, what we're looking at for this guy right here, this is literally stainless steel, and this is some 3D printed plastic, because this is a demo model. But uh, what flew yeah. for SR1 was a metal nose, and we got away with that because we only flew to Mach 3, so we didn't see real aerothermal heating. Only Mach 3, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> just barely got the paint warm. Right. <laughs> but for um, planetary entry, they're actually looking at um, flying with conformal Pika. Yep. Right on. There's their Pika Pika again. There's your Pika Pika. I know. You guys, yeah. uh, guys in the emotes, don't let me down. All right, we're going to keep moving. So are there any other cooling systems that work with the heat shield for ADEPT? This is star molds. Cooling systems. Well, mm. we've looked at, I mean, uh, one of the challenges oh. with, with this is uh, the fabric gets red hot. And that's great because it's carbon material. It holds together. What you want to do, though, is be careful with things underneath it that are also going to get hot just because they're close to the fabric. Yeah. So we've looked at insulating materials that can go underneath the ribs, sort of between the ribs and the fabric, to help keep that heat away. And then also on the payload itself, some sort of yep. blanket on the payload to keep it from getting radiantly heated from the back side of the carbon. All right, some are coming in. I have old questions and we have new. Oh my oh, gosh, it's coming rapid, in. Okay. Rapid, come what, on. Is, what is the multi-layer insulation made of? That's our buddy, nice guy Dewey again. Oh, the multi-layer, it is an, uh, it's different yarns and um, the outer layer is a carbon. Uh, it's all carbon yarn and the inner layer is an insulating yarn. Okay, so um, can the heat shield ever get too hot? That's G Dog 16. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and then it goes <laughs> away. Just That's before it goes good. away, right. you don't <laughs> have a heat shield anymore. <laughs> right. Not much mean, left anymore. Right. And, and some of the materials, um, the insight material, for example, when you get it too hot, it melts. It turn, you get glass. There's a lot of glass in it, and it'll melt and flow and collapse and get too thin. And, you know, mm. it's you don't really want a heat shield that drips. <laughs> no, and so, that's, not and, so much. And that's yeah. what means test, test, test. test. I'm going to go test. to Slayer X. Could you reuse the folding heat shield? Uh, is it a single-use kind of thing? It's more of a single-use. I mean, most of the missions we envision are going to another planet, planet and most right. of those are one-way trips. So <laughs> we tend to design... Single use. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, does the fabric after re-entry stay flexible? That's from Chris. Oh, that's a uh, good question. Um, it will still be somewhat, I mean, when it's deployed, it's, uh, we actually want it to be as close to a rigid heat shield and not be flexible um, because we want it to have that very predictable shape. Okay. So um, the material afterwards, I guess if we took it off of the ribs and everything, it would probably still be flexible. but. It's At a little, point, yeah, care. it gets a little bit stiffer yeah. as you heat the carbon. It'll get a little stiffer. So M. Gallen is asking, does the Adept fabric ablate during re-entry? Ah, yes. It does. Uh, we do see layer loss. Uh, the um, carbon, uh, now it doesn't, there's no pyrolyzing going on because right. there's nothing infiltrated. But what happens is the uh, carbon oxidizes. That's the primary uh, mode at which uh, layers go away. And we we knew that was going to happen, and that's why we have to do a special weave so that that's we don't get holes or anything. Multiple layers. Thing, yeah, the whole thing doesn't go flying apart. It right, was designed that way. Right, you calculate for how many layers are going to go away, and then you have yeah. structural layers below that. No, and we saw tests yeah. early <laughs> on where if it wasn't woven right, it would go away really yeah. oh, quick. That's yeah. that, so. the famous arc jet test. Yes, we did arc jet <laughs> tests on the 30 fabric. seconds and it's yeah. gone. Yep. Another question from Tombin asks, what past programs Apollo Space Shuttle have carried over to what you're designing now? 
I mean, obviously, everything kind of builds it, on it each all other. It builds on it. Well, Apollo, sure, you know, Orion. for Orion. Yeah. Um, now the the honeycomb in in the Orion in the Avco material Avco material um, was it flew on the the first experimental flight for Orion. Um, for the future flights, they're flying that same material but without the honeycomb. So it's now molded into blocks and machined and bonded onto the structure. We talked a little bit about this. This is from Timbo. Do the sides of the spacecraft need heat protection too? We talked a little bit about yes, that. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Um, in fact, we talked about for MSL and for Mars 2020, the material that's the heat shield material for InSight is on the back shell well. to protect the back shell of the, the bigger, heavier, faster um, uh, missions. Okay. So they, they, we definitely have to protect that. Okay, the heat shields, okay, somebody is saying the heat shields I weld on go on jets that are made of T, or TI? I don't know. Titanium. Titanium, I guess. All righty then. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> they know what they're talking about. They know, hey, yeah. Prom Mitchell, Pro Mitchell knows what he's talking about. And he's asking, what's the reason your heat shields are made of carbon? Why carbon over titanium? Oh. Well, I mean, titanium, great high temperature metal, uh, but it, it just wouldn't survive these Not type of uh, extreme environments right. that we're seeing there. It, it would melt and go away in, in a second. Right. On Got jets, Pro Mitchell. Right. Even, even, you know, for the, the supersonic jets, they get warm. Yeah. Oh, so, wow. but, and titanium would be enough. But um, they, these get hot. Our rapid fire is getting rapid, rapid as we're about like two minutes left. Oh. Um, it's Kaisley is or K KLC is asking what temperatures can it protect up to? So what, could, what are maximum temperatures are we thinking of here? It depends on it depends <laughs> on the material. Um, we carbon can go easily above three thousand. Kelvin, so let's see, 40, yeah. no, I'm sorry, 4,500 or, four, or oh, well over 4,000 Fahrenheit. Fahrenheit. Yeah. So it, it will get very hot. Um, you get to a point where it stops oxidizing and it just starts going off as carbon. So yeah. it starts subliming, yeah. but it can get very, very hot. Um, other materials can't get that hot if they get above, you know, the glassy materials get above um, about 1,600 um, Celsius, 2,000, Fahrenheit. So if we can hit up one right. more question. This is sure. from four-year-old Ellie before we go into oh. the outro. Hi, Ellie. How uh. much cooler is it underneath the umbrella than on top? Oh. It, and then I got one minute to go. Yeah, right. go. <laughs> it's it is, uh, It's still pretty warm on the on the back side of this, so that's uh, we have to pay attention to that. Uh, not as hot as the front side, but right. still, uh, it's you wouldn't want to touch it on the back. Right. It's about four hundred, four to five hundred degrees difference. Well, yeah. The point is to protect what's inside. Yep. Right. So, yeah. but folks, this is all the time that we have. We got to wrap things up. This has been NASA in Silicon Valley Live. It is a conversational show out of NASA's Ames Research Center in Silicon Valley, where we talk to the various scientists, researchers engineers, and all-around cool people here at NASA. And if you like that, we are on Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, Periscope. And once the show is over, we'll, you'll, we'll have on-demand video. So if you couldn't catch us live, don't worry about it. Go on to on-demand. We'll be able to watch that there, including next week up on NASA TV. Um, Thank you so much yes. to everybody for coming. This has been a super fun show. And like yeah. what we're looking at next, well, no, not next week, because this is going to be Thanksgiving and I ain't going to be here. But um, a huge thanks to our guests. A yes. huge thanks to the Welcome. Twitch chat for everything you guys are doing. We'll be back on December 6th when we talk about Sophia, the world's largest flying observatory in the history of airborne astronomy. And I am way past our outro. <laughs> Until then, thank you for coming, everybody. We'll see you then.